the Addisons. Well, let me say this as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. We will open the phone lines up in the last segment of the show. Get your take on some of the topics we plan to discuss today. Um, Want to start off, again, we we kind of talked about coronavirus a little bit last week. Um, but I kind of want to go back to it. Uh, just some new information out um, that I find interesting. But then also just for the sake of knowing, like staying mm-hmm. in the loop and knowing what's going on. I don't know if you heard about this, Will, but did you hear that uh, Senator Ted Cruz was self-quarantining yeah, I, I, after coming <laughs> in contact with um, someone who was diagnosed CPAC, with right? coronavirus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, along with Representative Paul Gosser, um, are self-quarantining. And then I think Gosser has two other staff members who um, they are also self-quarantining as a result of coming in contact with a New Jersey resident who happened to be at CPAC. Um, as you know, both President Trump and Vice President Pence were mm-hmm. also at CPAC. Right. Um, neither one of them are worried. Um, and I think, you know, that's fitting. Like, you know, just all of the information that we're, that we're learning and that we're hearing. And mm-hmm. I know you sent me this story from uh, Dr. Oz. <laughs> yeah. Is, I mean, it sounds crazy when you talk about like a celebrity doctor, but I mean, he is a doctor, you He's know what I'm saying? Doctor. But he was, yeah. he was, he was on Fox <laughs> news and um, just talking about again, and we mentioned this already. And if it, if it doesn't mean anything for the average person that coming from the surgeon general, um, we need to wash our hands and use all of our best practices. Then mm-hmm. maybe people who believe more, of, you know, kind of like the celebrity information, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, those people, <laughs> it's like the surgeon general says, wash your hands. And people are like, no, I'm not buying it. And then it's like, well, I saw on Dr. Oz and they're like, oh, what, what was it? What did he say? <laughs> you know, it's like if Dr. Oz is saying it, then it's gotta be true. Right. And I'm not mad at those people, but I know you're out there. I know you <laughs> exist. I know that's how you see the world. And, uh, and you have Dr. Oz who's saying the same thing wash your hands. You know, he's like, don't touch all over your face. Like the same things that we use, um, you know, the same safety measures that we use Mm -hmm. for avoiding like the common cold or avoiding the flu. Um, And and I was watching, I thought it was really interesting because they were putting some of the numbers in perspective, talking about people who die from the flu and, you know, had, who had the swine flu and all of these things, these different sort of, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to call them like a flash in the pan type thing, but you hear about these illnesses, these diseases, these viruses, and they scare us for a second. And then you're like, hey, whatever happened so, I mean, to that? My, you know? But my thing is, so we, we've we had all those things happen. So why is this one so like, um, you know, it seems like it's much more hype around it. Like there was hype around the other things, but this one, yeah. that stuff shutting down. Like it's like. Yeah. 
you know? Well, that's a great question. And if I might, um, Dr. Oz (laughs) (laughs) kind of spoke to that just a little bit. And he said, really, it's the fear that's spreading faster than the virus. He said it's because people are like it's an unknown um, type of fear that people are kind of succumbing to. And he said, you know, when you hear from the World Health Organization that um, maybe, you know, 10,000 people, 10 million people will be affected and will die. He goes, you know, that's a huge range and, yeah. and they don't know. Um, and I, I think it is also the spread of it, the way that it is spreading. And um, and then again, it's unfamiliar to yeah. people. So people are like, what's going on? But when you put it in perspective, there are more people who die of the flu than are dying of coronavirus or COVID-19. Um, and I think that's important to note. Something else that's important according to Dr. Oz and another news story that I have here in front of me um, that, you know, it is those with a compromised immune system and the elderly who are really the ones who are mm. dying as a result of contracting this, um, this virus or this disease or whatever. But there's something amazing that's happening in that, you know, younger kids, children seem to be immune to this virus. And this is puzzling to yeah. the medical community <laughs> right. because Yeah, I mean, there's a story I have right here in front of me from uh, NBC News, and it is saying that if kids get it, it seems to be very mild in children, and there have been very few children who have been diagnosed with it. Even among the hardest hit areas, children seem to be getting a milder version of it, if Mm -hmm. you will, and then kind of bouncing back quickly. Yeah. And so, you know, and again... For everyone who's interested, Dr. Oz, <laughs> there's look, I won't I won't reveal anybody, but there are some people in our family that come to my mind that, <laughs> that I feel like need to hear us say Dr. Oz said. So this is for you. Um, but Dr. Oz is saying, you know, he, he was on the, the Fox and Friends couch and he was saying, you know, look, just frankly speaking, most of us on this couch, and he may have even said all of he us. I just all. want to be careful. Yeah. He said, okay, did he say all <laughs> yeah. All of us on this couch don't have to worry about this? He said it's the elderly and those with a compromised immune system. He said the problem comes in is that a person who has the virus, um, you know, may not even feel any symptoms or anything yeah. like that. And then they go and visit grandma. You know, he yeah, said that's who, where the problem comes in. Problems. Yeah. And it seems like it's a... Uh, well, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but, it, you know, thinking about children, it seems like it's an immune system type thing, too. Like, it's like if your immune system is a little uh, uh, weaker or, you know, that you may yes. be subject to to really get hit hard by this. I don't know. You know, yeah. but I, I, what I do know is I'm seeing a lot of the news and, and different hype and different, you know, concerns. And I think we should be careful and concerned to a certain extent but man it seemed like it's being blown out of the well, water I, like it's I just think there a is, craze. I, I would say this and and you know this to be true um you know i think that our news media will ever as it's been said waste a crisis and i think right. if if there's any way to try to affect elections you know there these things are cyclical right so man. if there's any way to try to affect um consumer confidence or mm-hmm. affect the election I think that our news media is going to exploit this. And and I think if you look at where the information is coming, the majority of the woe and fear is coming from liberal news outlets. Mm. So if you look at conservative news outlets, they're saying, listen, 
employ best practices as right. you've always done <laughs> or should have been doing. Right. Right. <laughs> and so which kind of tells us where we need to be on thinking and processing these things. And I hate to make this come down to a conservative liberal bent, you know, but I mean, they're they're. There's a vested interest yeah. in making people feel like everything's like, you know, unstable or, right. or to make people feel like the sky is falling. Right. Um, I was looking at, you know, um, look at the stock know, market. I mean, exactly. And <laughs> and, you know, I hate to say it, but Christian conservatives, when voting for our current president, mm-hmm. um, the economy was top of the list. Yeah. Right. The economy like and safety. None of the, That's right. The economy and safety mm-hmm. and none of the things that we tend to tout as we vote as social conservatives, none of those things made the top three concerns of conservative Christians who were voting in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important because, you know, we need we need to be on our game when we think about how we can easily be manipulated by the news media. Yeah. So if you start to feel like, oh, well, that economy that you thought was so great, look at look at it's not it's not. Whoa, <laughs> right. whoa! You might need somebody else in there. Look at you know what? How is the president responding to COVID nineteen? We don't know, you know. And so I think we have to take those kinds of things into consideration. Again, I thought that it was very interesting though because I think somebody reached out to us and I didn't have time to respond. In fact, there are a lot of messages that I'm kind of late in responding to, but I think someone reached out to us and said um, that there's no treatment, there's no cure. Well, I don't think I suggested that there is a cure, but there is treatment. It's the same treatment that you would employ for any type of virus, even if it's that virus running its course. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And keeping your immune system healthy and built up. And that information is out there. I mean, there are people, you know, believe it or not, and depending on where you get your information, who are surviving coronavirus. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I just want people to understand that and not buy into the hype and not be, you know, manipulated and just easily controlled. I think right. that's, if right. you can get a person afraid, you really can get them doing whatever you want. Whatever like you if, want. If you can, if you just can play to their fears, right. then, you know, they don't care about their freedoms. They don't care about their liberties. They're just like, whatever. I don't care. Here, here's my freedom. Here's my liberty. Take it. Just give me safety. And I, you know, I'm concerned mm. that with a lot of what we see coming from liberal media, that we are, you know, in different ways, we head in that direction just a little bit more every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just a little bit more. It's like, um, what will you, ex- what will you exchange for your freedom? What will you exchange, mm-hmm. you know, for your liberty? Today yeah. and yeah. and here now we are. It's it's coronavirus, you know. And I don't know. I just think it's interesting. But just um, so that people will know. Again, we'll put this in the show notes if you want to get any information that we talk about. But I found this interesting. Um, according to NBC News, that as the coronavirus is spreading and there are different cases and new cases and. Man, Lord, you know, we need to pray for the citizens of Italy. They've got like 17 million people quarantined. That's a lot. I don't think you want to ignore that. I don't think you want to pretend like that's not happening. But I do think you want to temper that with reality and you want to temper that with everybody who is quarantined is not an imminent threat. So quarantine means that you just you're not around any other people, right? That, that's yes, just, because Dr. Oz was saying that he didn't think quarantine was the best thing, but to to be um, have a distance, a societal distance or whatever he called it was was better. And I don't know if that if he meant for like Italy, maybe he meant for the United States. But for some reason, he was saying quarantine is not the best. Um, 
Well, now let me disagree with the good doctor here, okay? <laughs> um, because I will quarantine one of your children in a second. <laughs> For anything. I don't care what Dr. Oz says. If your kid comes over... And they're like, look, mom, my lung. I'm putting them in a the closet. I'm my like, lung? I don't know how that Man, came out of you. show you that. That's look, a, that's my a problem. <laughs> you, know, you know how kids are. Kids are like, it's always something with them. It's like, oh, I threw up. You know, or, oh, you know, look, mom, here, you know. And I'm like, if you come, I don't care. Come over here with one of your adenoids or something, and I'm putting you in a what? closet until I can get help. Oh I'm goodness. not dealing with that. I'm quarantining you, all right? Um, no, look, I agree with what, um, I guess, and I don't know, Will. I kind of go back and forth on yeah. this because, like Ted Cruz said in his, his you know, he released a statement, and um, he was talking about, it was like less than a minute that he spent talking with, you know, coronavirus jersey. I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know how you Man, describe that. that person is, it's like, poor thing. He's known as coronavirus you, carrier. Well, I mean, yeah. And, and look, let me tell you something. You know, you'd, you'd have one of those moments because everybody's like, you know, is the president, the vice president, are they okay? Like, you know, are we, and the president said, we're still going to have tremendous rallies. We're still going to have rallies. The president's like, corona what? You know what I mean? Like, right. he's not concerned and, about that. Yeah, but can you not. imagine being the person that could have possibly introduced that to the president? Wow. Like, even your own family now doesn't like you. <laughs> like, they wanted to bring you chicken soup, but they're like, nah, nah, let him wait it out. See, now, then, you, on the other side, you might have some bad people be like, yeah, get him. I mean, well, <laughs> you know, that, I mean, that, that, well, OK, let's not both let's, crowds. Look, let's not go too far because I almost had a joke for you on that one. You almost pulled out the worst side of me. Because I was like, send Corona's jersey over to them. Like, Man. you know, I don't know. I don't know. Look, no, I, saw, I saw something where it was saying how, and it showed the video, how President Trump was getting off the plane. He was going to, to something. And he went yeah. immediately to the crowd and started shaking hands and was like, that it, it, there was no <laughs> deterrence. But they were saying yeah. how uh, Vice President Pence, you know, when he went to something, he was like doing elbow bumps and stuff. Yeah, it's I think like we need to bring back different. the fist bump. Everybody needs to be a little Howie Mandel on President this Trump and just like, like I don't touch hands. Hand. Yeah, he didn't care, you know. But I, I could, you know, yeah, I, I think it'd be, <laughs> it's crazy. I, Man, I just, I want our is. listening audience to be reminded of who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. I Amen. don't want us to walk around fearful. Of course, we don't want to make light of it. We want to, again employ best practices if right. you've got a kid who is known to like you know eat dirt this is probably not the time that you want them doing most that kids like do that right? no not yours <laughs> i said most <laughs> right okay good yeah your no addison children do not that, that number five might well, I mean, he plays in the <laughs> toilet, but he doesn't eat dirt. Like, we, you know, there's a difference there. <laughs> All right, but we wash his hands. We will wash his hands. And his mouth. We will wash his hands. <laughs> All right, we got to grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back. 
back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you uh, spending some time with us and listening to us, um, listening to us talk about the issues of the day the way that we do. Yeah. Right? Like I understand, you know, it's not for everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, we understand. Do you, I don't that. understand. They don't. We don't understand you people. Well, that's what they say to us. Yeah. Well, they, we don't understand you. Yeah, people. Don't you understand say. what's going on? And and we're like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You know, it it does not make sense to people to have the kind of assurance that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, it doesn't make sense. You know, we we see and we have concern over things. But when you temper those concerns with the promises made to the Lord and those of us who and I'm going to use this sort of metaphorically speaking, because I understand that most people are not, you know, quad folding a newspaper as was commonplace. You remember, like, yeah, most people are not doing that. Right. But if you hold your Bible and you hold a newspaper in in both of your hands, um, you will see that the scriptures are telling us daily, hey, this is true, right? Look yeah. at what's happening in real time. Look at what the Bible told us would happen. And we're seeing that these things are true. Even what we're going to get into now, the the falling away, um, the blurring of lines, right. you know, the savage wolves coming in and you say, Miki, that's very strong language. Where are you going? Well, you know, Bear with us, and uh, and we'll get there. Yeah. But um, look, for the believer, if you stick to the Word of God as your straight edge and you don't apologize for that, you're going to find that you have a more and more consistent worldview. Right. There's still going to be people who disagree with you and who are angered by you, who are triggered by you. But as you stick to the word of God as your straight edge, you're going to care less and less. Yeah. You're going to care less and less because you're going to say, you know what? You disagree with me, but if you're going to be fair, you're going to disagree with me consistently, right? Because yeah, I'm going to be as consistent as I know to be. And if there's a disagreement with you and you're sticking to the straight edge, the disagreement is against the word. If Correct. you're sticking to, now, if you're having your own opinion and you're That's making right. your own, you know, doctrine or whatever it is, then, well, you can't, you know, stand up on the word like, like you're using it as the straight edge. But if you're standing on the word and someone... And take something that you've said that that's, you know, of the word and say, I don't agree with that. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. You, I mean, you just keep <laughs> shake the dust off the truth. I mean, you shake yeah. the dust, you know, yeah. or dust your shoulders, whatever, you know, whatever. depending on where you're from. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, you just you just care less and less. This is the kind of resolve that we're going to need in the last days that we're in. Guys, that's not a fairy tale. You know, living in the last days is not a catchphrase. And you've heard it for so long. Even the Apostle Peter said this in his second letter, you know, that there would be scoffers, people who would say, oh, you've been saying this forever. I mean, can you imagine the people who were like, because when the Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he was like, we who are alive and remain Mm -hmm. will be caught up to meet him in the air. Can you imagine the scoffers who were like, Paul said, we Like, uh, you guys give it up, like, give it up, you know? But, I mean, here we are. We have sure promises. And one of the things that the Apostle Peter does in his second letter is that he anchors what will come in what has already come, Mm. what already happened, right? So you already had this happen in the same way that you had the world destroyed by water, right? The same way that happened is how the end will happen but it will be with fire. And so everything that the Lord has said to us, his promises have been true. His promises are sure and certain. And you're not crazy that you're still holding on to that. In fact, anyone who has moved away from the word of God, they are the ones who are crazy. 
Mm-hmm. They are the ones who have a problem. It's not you. And I, I so desperately want to affirm believers because the enemy wants to wear our patience out to where we start to accept any and everything. And this is going to be a great segue into what we're going to talk about for the remainder of the show. Um, the enemy wants to wear us down where we get to the place where we're like, you know, anybody who's got any type of idea that seems popular, that makes us kind of well-liked in society and culture, we're tempted to go along with that. The people who resist that are going to be the people who are standing firmly on the word of God and believe it to be completely and totally sufficient. So here is the story. And again, I am not picking on J.D. Greer. I am not picking on the Southern Baptist Convention. I am not. If you know anything about what we do here and what we have done for a long time is that we are equal opportunity offenders. We love the truth, right? So that means that at some point, if you don't love the truth, you're Mm going to be offended. (laughs) Okay. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, and you say, well, Miki, you know, how do you know that you have the corner market on the truth? We're going to (laughs) just go to the scriptures. Yeah. That's all we're going to do. We're going to just go to the scriptures and say, What does the Bible teach us about being unequally yoked? Mm -hmm. What does the Bible teach us about endorsing sin? Mm -hmm. What does does the Bible teach us about there being one way to the Father? Mm -hmm. What does the Bible teach us about false religions and false teachers? The Bible does not leave us to ourselves to kind of figure it out, calling audible, making it up on the fly. No, we have clear parameters for us as believers to come to be in the world, but not of the world to be in the world and yet coming out of the world. I mean, this is an incredible tension that the Christian lives in. And if you are living it right, you feel that tension constantly, right? right. That's right. I mean, if, if if you are endeavoring to live for the glory of God, you feel this tension of loving the people who are in the world and wanting them to come to the full knowledge Mm. of the truth Mm -hmm. of who Jesus Christ is. And at the same time, having almost like this visceral, just you have a disgust for the sin and wickedness that is rampant in our culture. Yeah. And this tension causes great conflict because you want to go out to people and you want to minister to people. But at the same time, it's like you do not want to even have your garment stained by what they're Mm. involved in. This is a tension, guys, yeah. and it exists, and it is real. It is real. That's right. So, J.D. Greer, last Thursday, was at uh, North North Carolina State University in, in, Riley, in Raleigh, and um, he was at a, <laughs> what I describe <laughs> as one of these tired interfaith Man, gatherings. This that's is so good, old. That's a great way to describe it, because I, I get tired of this. Right. <laughs> I mean, we've when we've have, already like, had on, this man. discussion. It's like, come on, hey, man. 1992. Right. Um, you know, we we want to give your, you know, your outreach efforts back. Like we've already <laughs> explored this and said, no, it's incompatible. There are just certain things that we as Christians are not going to advocate for under the guise of peace and unity right. and harmony and all the earth. Like we're not, you know, the Bible tells us to keep the spirit of unity in the bond of peace, to keep the bond of peace, the spirit of unity. Like this is the one spirit of God. And mm-hmm. I may be misquoting that. Forgive me. But you know what I'm saying? The point that I'm making here, I sound like Joe Biden. You know what the thing says. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. You know the thing. <laughs> you know the thing. Oh, 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 the preamble. No. You know what the thing says. Uh, anyways, um, but that was that 
was a poor quote. Um, <laughs> keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Okay, Amen. the unity of the spirit. And that is important. That verbiage is important because it's not just this sort of uh, kumbaya type of unity that we are tasked with keeping. It's the unity of the spirit. So it's the one spirit who indwells the believer, right? right? So we attempt to live at peace with those that we can around us, but it doesn't mean that we are uniting with them in all causes. Right. That's two totally different things. Right. We can't. It's impossible for us to do that if, if we're going to follow the scripture. Well, I want you to call for a meeting with Greer. If you, I mean, if, if that's what <laughs> you don't think, Will the Greer. You know, he, well, it doesn't matter. He's not meeting it with me. It doesn't matter. You're <laughs> <laughs> not, not meeting with me, man. Can you imagine him? It's like Will Addison called what? What's like a who? Will Addison? <laughs> I don't know who that is. What is it? He came in contact with, he's got coronavirus. Oh, wait, call him back. Let's get him on. That'll get him on the phone, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, people will be familiar with the fact that J.D. Greer is the president of the Southern Baptist uh, Convention. Mm -hmm. He's also a pastor of the Summit Church in Durham. And uh, he was a part of this interfaith, tired interfaith meeting. Hope in the current um, age. (laughs) Which They try to give it these snazzy names. It makes a great PowerPoint. I mean, I'm sure there was a snazzy. There was a snazzy <laughs> banner, I'm sure, which is oh, great, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but also a part of that was uh, someone named Omar Suleiman, and um, they met to discuss issues facing American culture related to Christianity and Islam. Now, we've got several clips that we want to try to get into before we get to calls here, and so just bear with us because I think there there are some things, which is why we played the pronoun hospitality clip. Mm. There are some things that oh, you need to goodness. hear with your own ears, okay? Um, and you, it's like it's like reading Rainbow. You don't want to just take our word for it. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. Like you want to open a book and read it yourself. But there's some things that you just need to hear with your own ears. Let me say this before we get into clip number one. Um, whenever I hear, and I want to be generous here. I want to be very careful. Yes. Often, let me say it that way. Mm-hmm. Often, when I hear about Christians attempting to engage in quote-unquote interfaith and, you know, unity-building dialogues with people of other uh, religious convictions and things like that. It often appears to me that the Christian Mm -hmm. is the only member or participant Mm -hmm. who goes in just a little bit embarrassed about who they are. It's like an apology tour type thing. It's exactly what it is. oh, you know, and I'm like, no, no, because the other people who are part of this interfaith meeting they don't have that position no it's usually the christian who takes this uh, apology tour type stance where they're sorry for you know whatever they feel like have been may have been bigoted towards this That's other right. person you know it's like it's never the other way around so it it sounds often and i hate to say it this way but i'll, I'll just well, tell often, you it's it, often it, it's not it, that way it around, sounds right. it sounds often like the um the husband who his wife has just been insulted and he says to the attacker or the person who has levied the, the assault, you know, verbal assault, it's the husband saying, um, I see what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see. Yeah, she is kind of mouthy. Yeah, I can see mm. what you I can see what you mean, you know, and, and that always enrages me because I think the body of Christ is worth so much more than people going into a setting and saying, yeah, we're kind of bad people. Mm-hmm. But if you will just be willing to talk to us, you might you might like us. Like we might convince you that you can like us, you know, when again, as Christians, yeah, we want to be salt and light Mm. and yeah, we want to represent the Lord, but we already know that we're not going to be liked. Yeah. 
People are not right. going to like us. Yeah. We're not going to be well received. So Maybe why we, do we, we keep don't want to believe that? That's not really. We, we, you know, we can be liked. Yeah. Uh, disregard what the scripture said. You know, it's, I, it's, I just can't believe um, I'm such a good person. It's we are the world generation. That's what it is. It's we are the world. And, you know, oh, everybody wants to throwback. buy the world a Coke yeah. kind of a thing. Oh, wow. Super um, throwback. I mean, I'm just trying to help everybody out. Let's <laughs> let's get into clip number one. This is, again, J.D. Greer. Um, I want to say maybe three years ago. Will, you'll help me with the dates. I get fuzzy on it. But three years ago, we played a series of clips because I, I was, again, convinced that people would not believe it unless they heard it with their own ears. But we played a series of clips. Uh, this was before J.D. Greer was announced or voted in as the SBC president Mm -hmm. and um, or maybe just after. And he was talking about in this, the clip that we played, it was one kind of gathering meeting or whatever, some conference where he was talking about Christians needed to be advocates and allies for the LGBTQ Uh plus community. Okay. He called for allies and advocates. I want you to listen to the similarity. If you ever heard that clip and what he is now calling for as it pertains to Islam. This is clip one. Civically, uh, we understand that man, we live in a country that we're grateful that we believe in the you know, freedom of religion. And that means that we need to be able to, um, to, to not only get along with, but to cherish and to stand alongside of and, and even fight for people who, who believe different things than we do. And uh, we're grateful for the Muslim neighbors that God has given us, and we want to advocate for their, um, their, their protection, their rights, their interests as, as much as we would as if they were our own. And, uh, you know, I just feel like too often, and I'm sure we'll get into this tonight, there's, there's a polarization as if it's other. You know, it's like we got one community and, and another community, but really, um, civically, we, we are citizens of a place and we want to, um, to serve and love each other. Well, but isn't it other? I mean... <laughs> Isn't, I mean, I, I hate to be like just overly simple. Like right, I hate to be right. like just one of those people who just, you know, is on the front row saying, excuse me, professor. But I mean, isn't that true? Like, aren't we aren't yeah. we different? Yeah, like, we, how, we, how we is are. It? And the thing is, it, it always makes, you know, certain Christians, maybe Christians like us, seem like we're so hateful because we are saying that there's a difference. There is a difference in our, you know, and I don't I don't understand the usage of the word like advocates and fight for mm-hmm. just like they're mm-hmm. our own wait wait no because even the bible talk about you know being you know a certain way uh towards the household of faith you know yes. showing good being good That's you right. know and especially and to the household especially of so there is a difference there it's not that you treat everybody else badly but you know that there is a difference so why do we always shrink back from that i just I don't, you know I don't what's know. amazing i i pointed this out a while back when there was a, a collect a collection of muslims i think they gathered in new york city and they held like this sort of um i guess what we would describe as like a corporate prayer gathering for um i guess muslims who were being attacked or mm-hmm. or something like that and and I thought it was so interesting that there could be a collective show of outrage for attacks on the Muslim community, if you will, mm-hmm. when you have radical Muslims or, you know, if you want to just say Muslims who attack people of other faiths, people from other groups, other communities, and there's not this same collective show or this collective attempt to distance themselves from it. Mm-hmm. And my question was, you know, so if you have a person like J.D. Greer who says, 
Um, and I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna quote him here. J.D. Greer said, "Quote: We need to be able to not only get along with, but to cherish, stand alongside, and even fight for people that believe different things than we do." My question is, sir, what specifically will we be fighting for? Like killing the infidel? Like what mm. is it? What is it that we're advocating for? Like what portion of like say for example Sharia law? If we're talking about Islamists, because this is not then religious, but is also political. Right. Right. So it's got a certain system here. It's got certain practices that are expected. So what I would like is some more specificity from J.D. Greer. I'd like to know what it is that he is calling for Christians to advocate for. What is it that you want Christians to fight for? And then my question would be to Mr. Suleiman, who was also there on site. My question would be to him, is the same call made of Muslims in regard to Christians? Are you fighting for Christian protection? Are Mm -hmm. you fighting for Christian security? Because I didn't seem to hear that in the dialogue. I seemed to hear Christians apologizing and Muslims saying, yeah, you're right. You should be sorry. Which is always the case. Yeah. All right. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll grab the break and be right back. that I, uh, kind of on top of all this, am discouraged with in the Christian community um, is I feel like one of the greatest challenges for us is remembering that the weapons and the strategies of the world are not things that uh, the church is really supposed to engage in. That's not how the kingdom of God is supposed to be brought in. You know, we have a Savior who consistently resisted all efforts to, to bring in the kingdom of God militarily or politically. Um, We want to be an influence, yes, on our government. We want to be an influence in society like salt and light. But that's different than than launching a strategy that is, you know, trying to take over or uh, trying to, you know, turn a a nation into a a Christian nation. Hmm. (laughs) Who's doing that? I'm sorry. Nobody I I know. Totally. Orleans. Nope. Like, who's doing that? <laughs> who's doing that? Like, when you say that, that sounds really convincing. Like, there is a contingent of Christians. Like, there is a, you know, political population where you've got Christians who are trying to create a theocracy. Right. Like, who is calling for that? Yeah. Like, I mean, we are not calling for that. And to suggest that when you're in mixed company, like, you you know, your interfaith company there makes us look bad. I mean, yeah. I'm, it, you go, are you for us or for our enemies is the question that I'm asking. Yeah. And it's amazing how, you know, at least in recent years, when you've had these so-called interfaith dialogues, it always seems to double back to politics. Yeah. Like if, if we're just yeah, looking that's, that's at true. the religious impact of our mm, loving our neighbor, if, why, what, is, what role does politics play in that? In fact, there should be no political mention. There needs to be no political mention because if you're operating purely from your book and you would you would argue that Suleiman is operating from his book, then why do we need to take shots at political activism? Because it's not just about religion, because it's a it's a type of virtue signaling that always doubles back to political activism because it has power as its chief aim. 
right? Mm. And so what is it? Like, if you listen to J.D. Greer, and I'm, I, you know, I don't want to be hyperbolic in my statements here, but if you listen to J.D. Greer, you would think that Christians today are advocating for, like, modern-day crusades. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, where yeah. it's like, no, we're going to force conversion. Um, big world picture, the opposite is true, Greer. Right, like the right. opposite is true. Big world picture, it's not the Christians who are storming into people's homes and ripping them out and either forcing conversion or just killing them on sight. Mm. It's not Christians who are doing that. Right. And so to go into a setting where you then feel compelled to apologize for the Christian community or to suggest that Christians in some way in the United States of America are trying to, to, <laughs> to campaign for a theocracy is disingenuous. Um, and it's also destructive. Let me just say that, right? Mm-hmm. It's also, it does damage to the body of Christ. When I mentioned, and I, I I'm going to open the phone lines here too. Let me, let's get them uh, queued up. 888-589-8840. I know we're not going to get to all of these clips. 888 589 8840. But let's do this. Let's go to cut number three while we get the calls queued up because I mentioned this always takes a toggle toward political activism. And there's a reason for that because this is not just about spiritual implications. This is not just about religion. This is about power. This is about politics. This is about control. This is clip three. Because of that, I think, you know what, because what happens, you know, it's, as Christians in America have seen some of these things and they've, they, they've noticed this, they've reacted with this kind of posture of fear of like, okay, the foundations are being shaken and, and, and we're no longer, our message is no longer welcome. And, and things that 50 years ago, everybody agreed on about marriage, for example, now it's actually, you're ostracized if you believe that. And because of this posture of fear, it's caused them to do, I think, two very unhealthy things. One is you begin to excuse or rationalize the faults of say, a strong man who comes in to offer protection. And you say, well, it doesn't matter what he or she, uh, as the case may be, what he or she does, if they're going to give me protection, then it justifies that. I'm not even going to talk about the faults. And it causes this witness that is just, it's just very confused, you know, because it's like we're more concerned with this political and military strategy or this political protection than you are, you know, the real message of, uh, of the gospel. It also causes you, as Omar, I think, uh, alluded to, to react with fear to people who are on the outside. Like we need to kind of huddle up and this is who we are and this is, we need to protect this. And this is those things when those are just, both of those are values that are antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, my my thing you is know always unlike why yeah. why why didn't I hear this type of conversation when another administration was in play? Like why? Yeah, because didn't we have be, these strong yeah. men, and you know. Anyway, mm-hmm. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting to me because we could play that clip again, right? We could play that clip again, and then we could try to imagine that Suleiman, the Muslim authority, who's there, who's representing Islam. You could try to imagine what it would sound like coming from him, right? So this whole idea of excusing the faults and excusing the flaws of the strongman, the leader, because it's like, oh, he's going to save us. So like completely unlike the founder of Islam, right? (laughs) Like completely unlike, I mean, like, you know, like we don't talk about, you know, raping and molesting young Mm. children at the age of eight. Like we don't like, let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about compelling conversion. Let's not talk about changing religious rules to suit your own needs on the fly. Like, let's not talk about that. 
Let's just talk about how the Christians are willing to sell their birthright for political soup. Let's only talk about that, J.D. Greer. And that's your perspective. That's your perspective because your political aim is different. Now, guys, you can say whatever you want and you can cover however you want, but you've got a lot of you've got a lot of camels with their nose under the tent. Mm. All right. You've and, and, and these people are so deceived. They are so deceived because you're looking at these people and you're saying, no, haven't haven't we been able to trust them for so long? What I'm telling you is don't go on the strength of what you wish were true. What I'm saying is listen to what the people are saying now. And so if you've got a person like J.D. Greer, who seems to be painting the Christians as willing to do whatever for political safety, it clearly seems to me that there is a political bent in his mind. Yeah. I mean, am, that's what it, that's am, what I, am I missing it here? No, that, that's what it sounds like, because like you said earlier, it seemed like it always turned towards uh, some type of political issue that he that they have or that he has against the church. Like and I'm like, man, so how do you get and it seemed like with all these different speakers and different ones that we've played on this show before, it seemed like the outcome is always it ends in a political conversation. <laughs> Like, you know, I just, and, and use it, I just it leans towards the to left. I'm like, what, yes, what's going on here? You know, look, <laughs> look, I, you know, I don't understand from, uh, you know, Russell Moore writing an amicus brief, you know, for 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 Muslims. And I look, I guys, what I'm saying is we have to weigh what is happening culturally. We have to weigh what is happening in the church and in, in the church in in any way. The mm-hmm. church to be exploited for any type of political aim in any direction is wrong. And we who have the word of God, we have to stand up and tell the truth. This means that darkness cannot walk with light except that they agree. Mm. So what type of agreement can there possibly be? How are, where are we going to fall on the side? No, it, I'm going to I'm going to minister And I am going to witness to Muslims, right? I am going to give them the truth. I am going to tell them the truth of the gospel as I have received it myself. That is the most neighborly thing I can do. Amen. That is the most loving thing that I can do. Yeah. I am not going to lie about the truth of eternity so that I can make these kumbaya political gains. Who does that serve for eternity? Right. Who does that serve? Right. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. You can comment on anything that we've talked about today. Um, let's let's go to, we've got one call queued up, Will the Great. Where do we go? Let's try Michael in Illinois. Hi, Michael. Hello. Hey. Hello. Go ahead. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, God bless you both. Uh, I've talked to you before. I'm the, uh, I'm your Jewish believer in residence here. Okay. <laughs> I spoke to you about a month ago. Okay. Anyway, actually, everything you're saying is correct, absolutely correct. And scripturally, there's only one people you're supposed to stand by, and that's my tribes, <laughs> the Jewish people, Israel. Everybody else, we're supposed to, like you're saying, we're supposed to uh, evangelize to them, not join them. That becomes a Babylon. Come on. We're, you know... You know what I'm saying? We can't do that. We have enough stuff. Honestly, in Scripture, if we look, and this this is on me, I'm not trying to blame it on anybody else, but even in Scripture, we never find anything about games 
I'm saying that to say this, because we are supposed to be, which I find it pretty, pretty hard to be and, and almost impossible, but we're all supposed to be like, like Isaiah, these, these prophets, you know, 24-7, but, you know, love, love our family, love everybody, but we're, we're supposed to have only our ear and our hearts drawn just to him. Only you know, I appreciate you, Michael. Oh, go ahead. No, just want to say that we we got to remove ourselves from the world system, like it says in Jeremiah ten. It says, "Don't do as the heathens." So, Michael, Michael, are, to do that. Michael, are you you that believes in Jesus? Are you a messianic Jew? Or are you? Yes, I am. Okay, yes, I am. All right. Yeah. Wonderful. Awesome. Uh-huh. I just wanted to make sure. I just I no, didn't know. And- Thank you. Let me just say this. I, I get what I get what our brother is saying there. I, I understand completely what he's saying. The only thing that I would say as far as making gains and, and I, I may not be completely clear on what our what our brother Michael is expressing here. But I will say this, that when the Lord Jesus said in the scriptures, as we read in the scriptures that the Lord Jesus said that we are to occupy until he returns, that actually is a business term and it connotes making gains. Now, it is not the type of gains that we talk about being political advantageous gains or anything like that. It is talking about advancing the kingdom of God. So if we are going to be making gains, we're going to be winning souls. So I think that I think that our brother and, and, and I think we'd be on the same page there. I feel fairly safe in saying that. But I do think that there is an argument to be made about the Christian making gains. But it's not the type of temporal gains that many people think of when they think of success. Mm. What I'm talking about is what I think the Bible outlines clearly. And it is being wise. And he who wins souls is wise. Those are yes. the gains that we are to be making. Those are the types of treasures that we are to be storing up in heaven, the kind that that rust and moth cannot destroy. Amen. Let's go back to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go? All right, let's go to Roy in North Carolina. Hi, Roy. Oh, I say praise the Lord to you and uh, you and your your wife there. Mm-hmm. And I, the reason I didn't attempt to uh, pronounce her name is because I I was uh, I was told that I was I was I was mispronouncing her name, and I do apologize. Oh, okay. I call her Nikki, Nikki. But I, 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 <laughs> I am from the uh, I am from Louisiana myself. I was born in Shreveport. Okay, and so so I'm from the swamp down there. So no, you can so call I, me whatever you uh, want then. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> but anyway, I'll, I'll say this, uh, and um, hopefully that uh, I got his name right. I think it's uh, Mr. Greer there. Yes, that's, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's the uh, over the Baptist um, uh, Association there. I want to speak a little bit on that in that area there. Um, I'm not too familiar with him particularly, but I I, I heard the, uh, the the tape that was played of of him speaking, and I'm I'm going to say this, you know, um, um, us as being uh, Christians, uh, I I'm not sure where about in the Bible it says because I, I am blind, but I know that um, from the scriptures uh, when you look at uh, Jesus Christ Himself. He he crossed all. There was no boundaries, socially, economically. He, I mean, there was none that that he didn't cross as far as in the government and and politics and and everything. Uh, we kind of we kind of look at that and say, well, you know, we, we should stay out of politics. Mm-hmm. But I, I I'm from a position of that's impossible to do if mm-hmm. you if you're a Christian mm-hmm. and. 
and also speaking from the the um, where it says that that uh, think not that I came to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword to the land. When you look at a sword itself, you know, when you look at a sword, it, it's a, it's double edged. It cuts. Mm. It, it separates. Mm-hmm. And as I as I the, the Holy Spirit was working with me as as Moses stood and says, "Who's on the Lord's side?" Mm-hmm. Those that's on the on, on on the side get on the right, and those that are not on the left, or however it was. Well, I and also I'm looking at this. The word is doing just what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It's going mm-hmm. to it's going to reveal those that are hidden. That's and, right. And the way this the way this man is speaking, I I often you know say this uh, um, right here in my house to uh, to my to my significant other there that that. Um, that uh, don't don't worry about none of it because God, you know, he gonna, he's he's going he's going to do the separating here. Well, thank you, Roy. I really you, do Roy. appreciate you calling, and I want to jump in because we're headed to the end of the show here. But you know, I just want to say when we talk about, and I don't think this is what Roy was suggesting, but when we talk about what Jesus did while he was here and who he ate with and what he came to do and all of these things, keeping that in context will do wonders for us understanding exactly what Jesus did. All right, we're out of time. We may pick up with this tomorrow a little bit. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.